Welcome to Elevate, the masterclass where we dissect the elements of exceptional achievement and lifestyle design with a focus on personal growth and real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser. Elevate Nation, welcome back. This is Tyler Chesser. I'm so thankful to have you here. And I'm blessed and grateful to be sitting with Joe Evangelisti today. What an amazing name, by the way. Uh, really an awesome guy connected by a mutual friend. I know you're going to love this episode. I know you are going to get a ton of value from this discussion today. So buckle up and uh, settle in because it's going to be an amazing day. I hope you're having a great day wherever you are, by the way. Appreciate you tuning in. And I want to ask you the question that I always ask you, are you ready to take it to another level? I want to welcome you back to the show where we sit down for mind expanding conversations with influential authorities in real estate, as well as top experts in other industries and disciplines. As you know, this is for leaders, entrepreneurs, and real estate investors who have a burning desire for the extraordinary. It is our mission to identify and apply how the best of the best raise the bar personally and professionally to achieve greatness in real estate and beyond. And of course, we will dive deep because we are going to distill the mindset, habits, routines, systems, tools, strategies, and so much more from those in an individual like Joe Evangelisti, who is elevating to a life without limits and who's also showing so many others how to do the same so that you can do the same or even more for yourself. This is a masterclass for leaders and those looking to achieve uncommon results and purposeful outcomes through personal growth, personal mastery, real estate investing, creating other ventures, other vehicles, and most importantly, and ultimately in their lives. If you're enjoying Elevate, we welcome you to subscribe. All you have to do is take five seconds and hit that subscribe button and um, you know share this with a friend, of course. Uh, give us a rating and review. It definitely helps us. It's something that we really, really deeply appreciate. And if you have just a moment, go give us a five-star rating and review and share this with your network. Share this on social media. Send this in a text message to one person or what have you. We just ask that you pay the fee by paying it forward. Uh, this is 100% for free. It is a absolute passion project. Our team loves what we're doing with Elevate Podcast. And I definitely love what we're doing with Elevate Podcast. I think it has so much potential. And we're going to continue to push the bounds of every limit that we think is there, right? We've got to question every limit that we see. And I think that uh, really, there's no limits to what we can create in this future through Elevate and uh, can't wait to build relationships with you. And I'm just super grateful to have you here and to you know, have the opportunity to add value to your life, to your business, uh, to your personal mastery, to your peak performance and all these beautiful things. So thank you for being here again. I'll share with you a few different ways that you can engage further with the tribe. Go check out Elevate Podcast Community on Facebook. That is the um, group there where you can literally engage with the tribe uh, expand the discussion, you know, learn more about other people, impact other people and, you know, build new relationships. So go check out Elevate Podcast Community on Facebook. Of course, we'll put a link in the show notes. Of course, all the podcast, uh, you know, show notes and all the links and all the resources are available on elevatepod.com. So we got a ton of amazing stuff right there. Go visit elevatepod.com. Of course, don't forget to follow us on social media, whether it's Instagram, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, you name it. Uh, we are everywhere. So we'd love to engage with you there. We'd love to hear your feedback as well. If there's, hey, if, hey, I'd love to hear from so-and-so on the podcast. Let us know via social media. Uh, let us know via the website, whichever avenue you'd like. We want to hear from you. 
and we want this to be a two-way conversation. If there are certain topics that you'd love us to dive in further, um, you know, let us know there as well, because I think there's no limits. There is literally no limits to what we can create through this podcast, through this community. So go check us out there and uh, engage with us and open up the lines of communication. We want to know about you. And if you want to be on the show as well, you can apply. Just go to elevatepod.com. You can actually apply to be considered uh, to be on the show. And uh, you know what? Everybody has greatness within them, whether it's yourself, whether it's someone else. You know, every single person on this planet has the opportunity to add value. And so if you think that you'd add value to Elevate, we'd love to hear from you. and We'd love to consider that as well. And uh, one other thing I'll remind you, Elevate High Performance Coaching Academy. Just go to elevatecoachingacademy.com if you want to learn more about that. I'm telling you, it's transformational. We've had people in tears. I'm not even kidding you. It sounds corny. It sounds ridiculous. But we're changing lives. We're changing the trajectory of people's business through Elevate High Performance Coaching Academy. Coach Trevor McGregor and myself have put together something extremely profound. And it's not only about elevating your levels of consciousness, elevating your self-awareness, elevating the way that you influence yourself and other people, but it's also about making more money. It's about having more time freedom. It's about having more geographical freedom. It's about having more freedom to impact other people, more freedom to engage in the type of relationships that you've always wanted, that you've always desired, that you've always knew were available to you. And we would love nothing more than to have the opportunity to really pour into you through Elevate High Performance Coaching Academy. So I invite you to go check that out. It's a very, it's a free and it's an amazing, amazing workshop and a masterclass where you can learn more, not only about the five shifts that you must make, but also what it would look like if you engage with us in this eight week coaching experience. And so, you know, this is an opportunity for you to surround yourself with a tribe of like-minded people from across the country who are looking to do big things or who are already doing big things, but are ready to go to the next level. So it is a multi-dimensional and a multifaceted life changing experience. And I know that I'm stepping out on a ledge by saying that, but I'm telling you, we've already seen it and um, we're already doing it. We're continuing to do it. So we'd love to have the opportunity to work with you and to give you the strategies that we've modeled, you know, success through not only in our businesses, but our clients over the years. And uh, we want to give you that opportunity. So go check that out again. It's elevatecoachingacademy.com. And uh, with all that said, let's dive in to this amazing discussion with Joe Evangelisti, who is the host of Legacy, the Legacy Blueprint, the co-founder and principal of four companies. One is a digital media company, an e-learning company, a self-storage development company, and a real estate investing company. Currently, he's the president of Mammoth Conversions, LLC, and principal of Legacy Developers, Hero Property Buyers, and the Syndicate Syndicate Mastermind. I, I just, I, I can spit it out today. I think I can. I'll, I'll do this for you guys. I'll do my best here. Joe is a real estate investor who specializes in commercial, mostly self-storage development along the East Coast of the U.S. Joe is a decorated veteran who served in the U.S. Navy Construction Battalion, the CBs, which included a tour of duty in Qatar as part of Operation Enduring Freedom and Iraqi Freedom, as well as under two presidents at Camp David. Joe holds letters of commendation from the U.S. Navy and the White House, a letter of appreciation from President Clinton, and numerous service medals from the U.S. Navy and the Secretary of Defense. Today, Joe combines that wealth of experience to create beautiful 
highly sought after development projects. He also mentors and coaches new and seasoned business owners who want to exploit their greatness. Having built an eight-figure empire himself, Joe understands what it takes to master the game of business. With over 5,000 hours of coaching experience, Joe is one of the world's most sought-after coaches. He has helped hundreds of entrepreneurs and business owners cross the seven, eight, and nine-figure mark. Joe creates transformation by providing his clients with the tools, strategies, and distinctions they need to master their business, create unstoppable momentum, and break through any obstacles holding them back from achieving massive growth and success. So are you ready to unlock your true potential? I want to invite you to really, really enjoy this amazing discussion with the man, the myth, the legend, Joe Evangelisti. Joe, my man, welcome to the show, sir. How are you? Fantastic, Tyler. Thanks for having me on, brother. That's my pleasure. And uh, like I said, I mean, we're mutually connected with a great friend of ours. And um, to me, that that almost starts us off in a good foot. It's like we're we're innocent until proven guilty. So at the end of the show, maybe we'll maybe we'll part ways, but maybe we'll become best friends. Who knows? Uh, so really looking forward to this, but you know, really looking forward to getting to know you better and really introducing you more to Elevate Nation as well. So uh, if you if you wouldn't mind, would you just share a little bit more about yourself, kind of behind the bio, behind the public image, behind everything that you're doing in terms of impacting other people, creating you know developments, and you know, tell us a little bit more about yourself behind the bio. Yeah, I mean, I'll give you a, big, a quick backstory. Uh, you know, I've been in construction my entire life. Um, you know, I actually started out uh, as, a, as a little kid on, on construction sites. My dad uh, was a builder growing up. He was a general contractor. And, you know, late in my teenage years, he started building houses and he was a drywall guy. Right. So as, as a kid, like I used to like run around job sites, like sweeping, pushing brooms, picking up drywall scraps, like scraping mud off the floors. And like, you know, I've just been it's been in my blood. I've been in construction my whole life. And, uh, you know, right after high school, I went into the, uh, the U.S. Navy. I went into the Navy CBs, which uh, a lot of people never heard of. Some people know what that is, but it's actually the construction battalions of the Navy. So um, I got to go in and, and be a builder uh, in the U.S. Navy and, and never see a boat, never see a ship, never go on the ocean, travel everywhere by air. Um, it was the coolest job in the world. And I did that for like five or six years and um, actually got to serve two presidents. I was at Camp David. Um, you know, I got had a really wild tour, um, went all over the world, went to, to, to Japan, went to Guam, uh, went in the Middle East. Uh, I was actually uh, in uh, the very beginning of Iraqi freedom in 03 when we were invading Baghdad. I was in Central Command um, building out uh, General Franks's uh, Central Command Station. So um, I just had I had a wild, uh, a wild five or six years and it was a lot of fun. And um, I, I was uh, I'm grateful for that experience. And so that really set me off on a career of, um, you know. I knew at that point, you know, I'd never been an entrepreneur, but I always had that entrepreneurial bug, right? I was, I was in the military. I wasn't allowed to be an entrepreneur, um, but I always had two jobs and I was always like juggling multiple things. And so like when I got out of the Navy, it was like, okay, like, the, like, like they, they let the, they let the uh, leash off and it's time to go after it. Right. So um, almost immediately, I, I first, I worked for the government for a couple of years, but I met my wife, she drug me back to New Jersey. Um, and as soon as that happened, I got back on the ground and I was like, dude, I got to start you know, doing something in real estate. And that's, you know, naturally the progression was, you know, at that point it was like, everybody was on on TV and it was like, we're flipping houses, we're doing this thing. Right. And so I had a construction background. So the scary part for most people, which is the construction part, that was the easy part for me. Right. The scary part for me was how do I fund it? How do I figure it out? How do I finance it? You know, how do I leverage it? And, but I learned all that stuff along the way. Um, the interesting part, though, was that I started out in 2007, which arguably is probably the worst time you could ever get into real estate in the last 
well, at least in the last decade, uh, 15 years anyway. And, um, you know, it was cool though. It was a learning lesson. I got to learn to pivot. You know, we flipped our first couple houses that we bought them as flips. And when I say we flipped them, we rehabbed them by ourselves, by hand. Um, I learned the hard way that that's not the way you want to do it, but it was an experience nonetheless, right? I was able to, um, you know, uh, understand the ins and outs and everything that needed to go into it, had the experience. And uh, inevitably, we ended up having to refinance, right? We we had to pivot early. We had to figure out early that, like, if you don't learn to pivot in business, you're going to get swallowed up. So literally in the first couple of deals, we went from, I'm going to flip this thing and make a ton of cash and retire early to, oh, crap. Uh, I'm stuck. I got to figure out what to do. What's plan B? Better put a tenant in here. Let me beg the bank to refinance me. Let me get as much money in my NBL back in my bank account. And and we did literally everything wrong, right? Like like not the rehab stuff. Like we knew the construction side, but like I put 25% down, my own cash. Like and and you know I had some money saved up from the military, but by the time we're on the third rehab, I had all of my savings locked up in three deals. I couldn't resell them. This the, the idea of grandeur of like, I'm going to sell it and make big cash and pay myself a salary and make a business out of this thing was like washed away. And we had to pivot. We had to figure out like, what am I going to do for income? And, uh, you know, fast forward a little bit, you know, three, four, five years from then, um, I was now a landlord, not by choice, but almost by force, right? Um, we, we inevitably started flipping houses because the market started to soften. We were getting them for better prices and we were able to start to, to eke out a profit. Um, and you know, now I was a broker, you know, cause I was able to sell these things, make a commission. I think a lot of people take this road. Um, and, uh, and I was a, uh, I had a broker's price opinion business, which a lot of people have heard of. Basically we just, um, set out and, and did broker's price opinions for banks, um, in that foreclosure churn and burn in 2009, 10, 11, 12. And so I had a lot of hats on and I was stressed out and, you know, I learned a lot of lessons during that time. You know, I had two kids, two young kids at home. I had a wife at home, two dogs. And I was like that one arm paper hanger, right? I was everything to everybody. And, um, you know, I, there's so many people that I know you talk to, that I talk to on a daily basis that find themselves in this position where it's like, I'll just work more hours. I'll just put in more time, right? I'll, I'll just do it harder. I like, I can do it, right? Like, I, you know, in the morning, I'm a realtor. In the afternoon, I'm a rehabber. I'm I'm literally taking my Lexus to Home Depot and putting, you know, cans of paint in the back and picking out tile and dropping off checks to the job site and checking on schedules. And, you know, but I was missing, you know, I was making excuses, right? I was missing, you know, dinners with my kids. I was missing weekend barbecues with my family. I was missing my nieces and nephews birthday parties, you know, and I was the guy where people would make excuses because, well, Joe's doing so well, he has to miss it, right? Joe's putting in the hour, he's building a business and, you know, I woke up one day and I was like stressed out. You know, I, I had a bunch of money on paper, but I never felt like I had any money. It was like one one foot in the door, one foot out the door. Money came in on Monday and left on Friday. Um, I see you shaking your head because you know this is like it's it's reality for so many folks. And I was like, man, I got to do something. I got to make a change. I got to hire a mentor. I need a coach. I need somebody to give me some guidance, man, because I can't be an island like this forever, or I'm going to have a stroke. Like I thought that I'm going to have a stress attack or I'm going to have a panic attack or, you know, I wasn't taking care of myself physically. I wasn't going to the gym anymore. I mean, I was a guy back in the military. I was in great shape, like way better than I am today, but, but, but also way, way, way better than I was, you know, five, six years ago. And so like, I knew I had to make a shift. I knew I had to make a change. And, you know, that was the precipice that really created the, you know, let's fix it. Let's make something out of it. And, you know, it got us to where we are today.
So that's a quick backstory. Man, I love that. I love that backstory <laughs> because, you know, a few things it shows that obviously you were scrappy and you had to figure it out, right? Which is the story for most entrepreneurs, most entrepreneurs that end up turning, you know, their their lemons into lemonade, so to speak, right? Because we yeah. all have these challenges, we all have these things. And, and I love what you said in terms of we, you got to pivot early, or you're going to get swallowed. And I think yeah. that that's, that's one of the biggest takeaways from that entire, you know, backstory that you really just shared is that it was constant pivots, right? And you're looking at it, and you're saying, all right, you know, the, the answer is I either work more, or I get swallowed. But then you said, well, wait a minute, maybe there's another way, maybe there's another yeah. way for me to approach this. And then the other thing too, that I, I wanted to just highlight is you were you'd always been in construction and you came back and you said, Hey, let's just, let's do that. I, I want to get into construction. But then you're like, well, wait a minute. I don't know how to put these deals together. I don't know how yeah. to finance them. I don't know how to structure these deals, but I love that you took action anyway, and you're willing to pivot. You're willing to get that answer uh, and get those answers because, you know, a lot of people get hung up on the how, I don't know if you see that. I mean, so many people get hung up on the how, and it's like, I don't know how I'm going to do that. And my, my thought is, look, do you think that Elon Musk knows how we're going to get to Mars, how we're going to colonize Mars, how Jeff Bezos is going to create a trillion dollars in value? I mean, that's not about how, I mean, that's about thinking in the realm of possibilities. And it sounds like that's been your perspective and you've given yourself the opportunity to pivot through that. So is there any comments that you'd like to make on any of any of those thoughts? No, I just think that, you know, I, I have this saying inside of our businesses that great leaders create great leaders, right? And that's not a, a, a look towards me. That's, that's a, you know, inside of our people, I want to help people create uh, problem solvers, right? So one of our core values is 70% is a go. And what that means is that if you're 70% sure, you move forward, right? You don't, you don't hesitate. You don't think twice. You don't ask the guy next to you. You don't check with your boss or your manager or call Joe like 70% is a go. And that's a double-edged sword a lot of times because it's hard for um, a business owner to allow that kind of responsibility or that kind of accountability to their team. But it's so, so important and powerful um, because it allows people to become good decision makers and become solutionists within the company. So I think a lot of what you're saying is, um, you know, we're not afraid to fail forward. Like I want to make a decision and you know what? I'm going to screw up. I screw up every day. Like Tyler, you screw up every day. People in our team screw up every day. My guys are making sometimes 10,000, 20,000, hundred thousand dollar mistakes. Like it happens. And like, it's going to continue to happen if I want to make million dollar mistakes, but million dollar mistakes are what get be paid 10, $20 million, right? $5,000 or 500 or $50 mistakes will never make me $10 million. So I need to have people who are accustomed and, and comfortable making bigger mistakes. And they're not going to get to that level if they don't make little mistakes along the way, right? Hey guys, just a quick word from our sponsor and we'll be right back to the show. This episode of Elevate is brought to you by CF Capital. And you know how much I love real estate and how it can be a vehicle towards creating any outcome that you want in your life, which is really why we created CF Capital. It's a real estate investment firm that focuses on acquiring and operating multifamily assets that provide stable cash flow, capital appreciation, and a margin of safety for our investors, for our partners, and for the people that we serve. Our team leverages its expertise in acquisitions and management to provide investors like you with superior risk-adjusted returns while placing a premium on preserving capital. Our mission is to provide property investment and asset management solutions to help investors maximize their returns by investing in high-value multifamily communities. Our philosophy is that we can elevate communities together through this process. And I want to invite you to go check out cfcapllc.com because we have a free ebook 
That's called The Bottom Line, The 10 Ways to Increase Cash Flow in an Apartment Complex. And I want to tell you that this is a value-packed ebook. So I want to, want to invite you to go check that out right now at cfcapllc.com. I think you're going to get a ton of value just from reading this, whether you apply it to your own business or whether you educate yourself further on what it would look like if you invested with CF Capital. So go check that out at cfcapllc.com. Again, that's cfcapllc.com and enjoy the rest of the show. Yeah, no, that's huge. That's that's really that's really powerful soundbite. And you really think about, hey, well, you know, if we're making bigger mistakes and perhaps we're putting ourselves in position to capture bigger rewards. And I know that yourself as the developer in particular, you're all about finding hidden potential, right? Because you look and see something that others may not see. And so how have you trained your mind or trained your team and trained your perspective to find that hidden potential, whether it's in deals? And, and obviously this can be applied in so many different capacities, but I'm just curious, is there anything that comes to mind when I ask you that question? Yeah, no, actually, it's funny you, you said that because I've really actually dialed it into a five-step process. Like I've actually, over the course of time, because I run four companies now, and as I'm starting to go after looking at either new opportunities or buying into new companies, I actually have to sit down and take this five-step process to myself every time because it, it, it prepares me to launch, right? So, so the five-step process is very, very simple. I, ver I start out with mindset. I have to make sure, because we all have limiting beliefs, right? So I have to make sure my own mindset is in check to take on that task, right? And sometimes that means defining a bigger picture. It means defining, you know, am I, am I internally ready for that? Like, are my limiting beliefs gonna hold me back from leading my team, right? And sometimes that means jumping into something that's a little uncomfortable, knowing that the team, the level of the team is gonna push me to be a better leader, right? And I, and I love that because it's super uncomfortable. But when I'm leading people that I know are like, you know, at my level or above me, it forces me to become a better leader, right? So my mind has to be at a clear place in order to take that, that leap. So I start with mindset, number one. Um, number two is a plan of execution, right? How am I going to get step-by-step step from where I am to where I want to be and based on an outcome, right? I don't want to be task-focused. And a lot of this is going to sound familiar to you because I know we've, we've both worked with some of the similar coaches, but like, I want to be, I want to be outcome focused. I want to know what is the outcome that we're trying to achieve as a team, as a business, as a new development, as a new subset of our company, what, it, what is it that we're looking to, to create and then reverse engineer it, break it down into bits. So I know how long it's going to take, how big it's going to need, how many people I'm going to need. I want to execute on that. Right. Number three is what are my systems that I have available for me? Right. What are my people that I have? You know, do I need to hire somebody? Can I use existing teams? Can I create from within? You know, do I have the support structure already? Do I need to hire out, right? What's it gonna look like for me to be able to create that opportunity or to be able to engage the opportunity within an existing structure that I already have? How do I get from point A to point B with the tools that I have or do I need new tools? Sometimes we need new tools, but it's gonna be different for everybody, right? And it's just like when I was in that, that place where I was the one-armed paper hanger, right? I had no systems, I had no support. I was running four companies off of a yellow notepad, which by the way is okay when you're starting out. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you wanna scale and you wanna leverage, you need better tools, you need better systems, you need better people, right? You need, you need, you need resources. You can't do it all on a yellow notepad forever, right? Um, so at some point you gotta, you gotta learn to let go of some control and create those opportunities for you to be able to leverage. Um, number four, I call controlling the clock. Right. Because, again, this is something that I see people a lot of times. There's that old like Russian proverb, uh, he who chased two squirrels catch none. Right. Like like when we're when we're trying to leverage and you're focused on one business 
And then you say, ah, I got a shower, an idea in the shower this morning. Let's do this. All right. And then I'm on the way to work and I'm like, yeah, man, let's do that. Let's do this. The problem with being a great visionary is we have a lot of visions, right? I once heard Elon Musk, I think it was on the Joe Rogan podcast. And, and he was sitting there talking about how he's like, I, I could design a better aircraft. Like I, I, the 747 hasn't been redesigned since the seventies. Hmm. Like I could design a better 747 right now. I could literally draw it for you on a notepad and create a better 747 for you right now. I've done it in my sleep. And, and Joe Rogan's like, why wouldn't you do that? And he goes, <laughs> because it's not, it's not going to move the human race forward. Wow. That's yeah. That's amazing. It's not important. Like my my level of importance is more important than 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 revolutionizing the airline industry. Right? <laughs> That's right? so epic. So think about that when you're thinking as a visionary of all these great ideas you have. You your your time on Earth is finite, and your importance of of how much your time is worth as a visionary. What are you going to execute that's going to move the needle for you personally? Right, you're controlling your own clock. The best NFL teams in the world know how to control the clock. You're controlling your clock. So you only have so much time to waste in different directions. The directions you're taking, the ones that you want ultimately 10 years from now are going to move that needle for you. Or are you wasting your time chasing possibilities and ideas, right? Mm -hmm. And then last but not least, number five in the road of the five roads of victory are execution and accountability, right? Because guess what, Trevor, you can have I'm sorry, not Trevor, Tyler. You can have, we're talking, we're thinking about somebody else. You can have <laughs> limiting beliefs. You can have your mindset. You can have it all structured out. You can have plans of execution. You can have systems of support. You can have your clock time managed. You could be all ready to go. But like we said earlier, if you don't pull the trigger, if you don't fire, if you don't execute, it doesn't matter. How many people have the analysis down to a science? They could tell you inside. Of, there are better real estate investors all over the country who have never bought a deal. I've seen better spreadsheets from people who've never invested in real estate. But if I looked at my PFS against theirs, right, their mind is blown. They're like, you barely graduated high school. You barely, gra you, you never graduated college. How could your PFS look like this? My spreadsheet, I can analyze the hell out of that deal. Guess what? I executed time and time and time again. I pulled the trigger, I moved forward. Sometimes I moved backwards. But I was I was capable of moving backwards because I kept moving forward, right? So you have to execute, you have to push forward, and ultimately you need someone to hold you accountable to do that. And as you know, because we're both in that coaching space, and we're both, you know, the first people to go hire a mentor and hire a coach and be in mastermind groups, you need great people around you to help hold you accountable and push you forward. Nobody is self-driven enough to go out there with no system for support, no people in their in their in their in their corner nobody carrying them and helping them move forward by themselves no man question. is an island you know no when i was question. an island i almost i almost had a heart attack i almost had a stroke right when i started surrounding myself with coaches and mentors and great people that helped lift me up i've, I've never felt better so the accountability component has to be dialed has to dial all that in so i hope that helped yeah, no, it absolutely helps. And I think, you know, one thing that I see that separates those who really create the vision that they have for their future versus those who just dream about it, or they have a penchant for action, right? It's pulling the trigger, as you mentioned, it's about taking action. But you know, it's also about, hey, look, we've got 70% of the answers, you know, let's let's take the next step here. Let's yeah. let the next step unfold from there 
because it's about execution, but it's also about that course correction. And I know you're huge on that too, because, you know, a lot of times we'll create a strategy and we'll design systems and we'll, 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 we'll develop the team and then, you know, the resources and all this stuff. And then the, the circumstance, you know, develops totally differently the way, than the way we sort of expected it to. And so then it's about being adaptable. It's about showing up and being willing to course correct and pivot as you're mentioning earlier. So I think it's really, really powerful. But one of the things that I love about you is that you 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 step further into a new role as a leader on a consistent basis, right? You're always thinking yeah. about how can I lead others? And you're talking about controlling the clock, which I love that just acronym and just that thought process in terms of, well, what is my output, right? What's my outcome here? And how can we give others an opportunity to step into that as well and think about, well, what's their outcome? And so yeah. could you talk to me a little bit about if, if you were to really go back and maybe say, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago to your younger self, it's like, hey, if you're if you want to step into being a visionary leader, if you want to be an effective leader of people, you know, or of, you know, of creating a vision, I mean, is there any advice that you give your younger self? Yeah, man, I, I think that and it's I think this is hard, right? This is like a double edged sword again. It's really hard to give this advice because I think all advice comes at the right time when you're ready to hear it. Yeah. Right? Like how many times have someone, has someone told you to read a book and you're like, yeah, it's a great idea. <laughs> and then three years later, you read that book and you're like, this book changed my life. Yes. Like, why didn't I read this book three years ago? And then that guy's like, dude, I told you to read that book. Right. <laughs> so like, I think this is the challenge. If I were to say to my younger self, slow down, will help you speed up. Mm. Right. The problem is when we're 20, we're running 150 miles an hour. We just want to take on the world. Right. And then now in my, and I hate to even say this live on a podcast, now I'm 40, <laughs> right? And at 40 years the old, hill. yeah, I have literally, I've, I've created an atmosphere where I control my own time to a point where I can do more in one day than I used to do in a week, but I'm, I'm scheduled regimented to the hour. Like today, I was just texting one of my, uh, my COO of my media company. I am booked every hour. But I literally just got back 15 minutes ago from taking my kids sledding. Oh, that's cool. Right? Like I am booked solid, but it doesn't mean it's all business, 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 business. It's just I'm booked. So I think what people fail to recognize is you can be booked and it can be for gold level activities, right? Which, which are, you know, your top level engagement, whether it's personal or whether it's business or whether it's relationships, whatever it be, top level activities all day long. But you can jump from, I'm going to do a podcast with Tyler, and I'm going to give my most value I can possibly execute on. And I'm going to jump directly to a conversation with my designer, because my wife wants to refinish one of the rooms in the house, which is also gold time, because it shows my wife that I'm, that I'm paying attention to her, right? To, I'm going to take my kids sledding, to, I'm going to get on a coaching call with a high-level executive, and I'm going to change the trajectory of their next six months of their life. Right. I can do all that in one afternoon. Right. Well, you can't tell 20 year old Joe that I don't think he's not ready to hear that. <laughs> right. You know, um, so, again, I think it just depends on maturity level as well as you got to earn that stuff. You got to You got to go through it sometimes. Yeah, no, I love that. And and and, and it really, you know, it really shows what, where your values are, you know, the way that you spend your time. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, we think, well, you know, we should be doing, you know, business activities, you know, 24 seven, and we're going after that. And, you know, I think there's the shift there, right? You can create some compound effect of, you know, all these things working together and creating momentum 
through serving your family, through being present with your family and being present with other people that are important to you, you know, as well as, you know, investing in yourself. And that's one thing that we're really passionate about here is, you know, really focusing on personal mastery and what are all these things that can allow you to create more momentum. So, you know, I know one thing that you're really passionate about is, is creating that unstoppable momentum because you and I both believe that an object that reaches momentum tends to stay there. Right. So can yeah. you talk a little bit about the importance of momentum in your life and your business? Yeah, I, I, I love this topic. I didn't know you were going to ask me this question, but it's so, it's so like apropos to what's going on right now, because I, you know, let me, let me, let me say that by saying this five, six, seven, eight, nine years ago, when I started actually building teams, I did not even think about this. Right. And I was probably in that place where a lot of new entrepreneurs are. I would hire the cheapest person to fill the role to do the thing. Right. If mm -hmm. I needed a thing done, I would be like, how cheaply can I find a human being to make this process happen? And, and, and I failed miserably as a leader doing that. I ended up being unhappy. I went from that, that, that guy who was doing everything at once to immediately scaling to 50 people as an, as a team and walking into my office and being miserable because I didn't even know who my employees were. We scaled up very, very fast. This went like three to four years. We went from zero to 50 people. And, and I was miserable because I didn't know how to lead them. It was new to me. And, and you know, we were hiring people for all the wrong reasons. And to get to your, to get to the point, I didn't, I didn't, really lead well. I didn't guide well. I didn't train well. I didn't have a good culture in place. I was the guy that threw core values against the wall because I was told to like, what are your core values? I don't know. Let's list seven things that sound good because Nike <laughs> said they were right. and, and let's put them on the wall. I've completely 180 on that. And I've started to build very, very effective, efficient teams that can, that can leverage and scale much, much faster. So a couple of years ago, we were flipping houses full-time. We were doing 80 to hundred houses a year. I had 45 employees doing it. I was pulling my hair out. It was hard, hard, hard to scale because we're all over the place. Again, money in, money out. We were making money. You know? we, now, now we had a real team making money, but still, I was getting eaten up because the culture wasn't great. And there was a lot of people I just didn't even know. My, my managers were hiring people. I mean, like that's the levels we had. And it just didn't have a good feel to me because, again, culturally not a fit, hard to scale. So we made a shift and we started doing development, like self-storage development. And now these teams we're building, um, we can leverage um, much, much bigger projects, keep them very, very tight. And now my goal is, how much money can I pay these people? What kind of life and legacy can I help engage with these people? How can I help them grow on a personal level and a professional level, right? I one-on-one -on -one coach most of, my, most of my team members now. Like, I know them at a, at a, at a root level. I'm not saying I'm going to be able to scale this as we... You know, I don't know at what level I can grow that, but I want to know them at a deep level. Like they have equity in our deals, right? They have, you know, they're building S corporations. They're, they're, they're like investing in, in life insurance. They're, you know, like I'm, I'm actively engaged in seeing them win at a higher level than I've ever thought possible. Like my goal used to be how many bodies can I put in seats? How cheaply now it's how few bodies can I put in the seat? To, to maximize effectiveness, create that momentum that we were just talking about, which by the way, this is a long way of answering your question. This creates momentum. Okay. I love because where now, you went with that, by the way. Yeah. yeah. So your team has buy-in, your team is ride or die. Your team is like, dude, Joe's, Joe's creating legacy wealth for me. It's not a job. It's a, I, I would jump in front of a bus for this team because my wife loves me more. My kids engage with me more. 
like one of my main guys sent me a text a couple months ago and I was crying because he was like, dude, I've worked in the car industry for 15 years. You're sending me texts on Friday afternoons asking me why I'm not playing with my kids. Right. Yeah. And, and like, and like that, that, that's the kind of culture we have. Like, don't send me texts at eight o'clock on a Friday, you know, asking me about business. Why aren't you with your kids right now? Like, that's what you should be doing. Like, so that's the difference in, in, in where we're at now, where as opposed to five, six years ago, it's people that I truly love to be a part of in a team, not just want to have a beer with, like want to grow a future with. And that creates momentum. Man, that, you just that gave changes me, the game. I just got chills when you said that about, you know, your employee on the, you know, Friday at eight o'clock, because I think it's so important. You know, a lot of us, you know, we get so caught up in, you know, building this business and scaling and all these different things. And, you know, of course there is a survival aspect in the life cycle of a business, right? You've got to make or break at some point. And you talk about all the pivots and things that we were talking about earlier, but at the end of the day, this is a vehicle, What whatever business you're running, whether you're a real estate investor, an entrepreneur, and I love that you're multifaceted and you're in so many different businesses, but every single one of them is a vehicle towards creating outcomes in your life and the other people's life that you yeah. work with, right? And so keeping that top of mind, I think is so important in the buy-in, I would imagine that you get from that is just, it's immeasurable. And yeah. so I just really love that you went there and, you know, thinking about, you know, being multifaceted as an entrepreneur, being a real estate investor, I do want to talk about self-storage here shortly, but before we do that, just being multifaceted and all the different, you know, businesses that you're involved in. I'm making an assumption, but I would I would imagine that strategic partnerships have been important for you. Um, mm -hmm. And if if that's the right assumption, could you talk a little bit about how you've approached strategic partnerships? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, again, I think we're we're very much of an abundance philosophy across the board with all of our businesses, and like self storage particularly, it's very it's very you have to be because uh, we do a lot of joint venture deals. Like for us, it's about how can we leverage finding deals? How can we leverage finding great deals? How can we build? a team of people that want to go out and find deals for us. So for example, just in the last couple of weeks, we've put two deals under contract where both people boots on the ground will make six figure acquisition fees just for finding the deal. Literally um, one of them wants to be involved, which means they're going to get a higher percentage of equity because they're going to go out and like help operate. The more, the more work we have, like the work money relationship, right? If you can bring money, you get more equity. If you could put work into the deal, you get more equity. If you just want to literally be a bird dog and say, yo, there's a deal, here's a contract, then, then you get cash and you might get a small amount of equity. Um, but regardless, you're going to get something pretty profound out of doing a couple hours worth of due diligence and work and finding a deal, right? So, um, so these guys are starting to realize that. And, and we've created um, an online community for people to go and learn and figure out how to do these deals. And then ultimately, the JV opportunity that comes out of that is, again, do I want to create uh, a, a career out of this, like we could literally go find deals. And let's, let's put it to this way. We're talking about percentages of deals that are worth 15, 20, $25 million. So like if these guys put some equity into it or put some, some effort into it and they end up with five, 10% of that deal with no cash out of pocket, it's a massive, massive opportunity for a lot of people, especially if you did that, say twice a year, three times a year, like what's that going to add up to in five years? Um, it, it, there's, there's massive opportunity in that side. So when it comes to, uh, joint venture partners, that's one operation, um, just, just across the board though, in, in leverage and opportunity, we do the same thing in the email media business, um, you know, creating opportunity to, to lead flow, uh, we sell leads back and forth and, and help people grow and scale their businesses. Um, I think, you know, I think you have to approach business from an abundance mindset. If you're, if you're scarcity in, in any regard, it's going to come back. It's going to come back to bite you. You have to just have that open-mindedness to, 
hey, I'm going to put myself out there and we're all going to win together. Yeah. And it's a, it's a little bit of a leap of faith, you know, early on, it's like, well, you know, I've heard some of these guys that I, you know, I, re I respect, they say I should have an abundance mindset, but, but wait a minute, man, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to make this thing succeed, you know? So yeah. it's almost like you have to trust that process until yeah. the process proves itself to you. And it shows that it, it returns in vast spades. Cause I, I completely agree. And yeah. I love the fact that, you know, you, what you really described is creating mutually beneficial opportunities. It's always mutually yeah. beneficial. It's not like, Hey, always. this is heavy more heavily weighted on my side, maybe they won't notice, you know, because at the end of the day, people are smarter than a lot of people give, you know, most people the, uh, the credibility of being, you know, no matter who yeah. they are. And so I think that's an important note. Is there anything else you'd say to that? No, no, I think I think you hit the nail on the head. I think the you know, the thing is that you, you go out there, you do the work. And I think you just try to remain loyal to people. Um, you know, everyone's going to have a different way to split up a JV, a different way to do an opportunity, a different scale of things. So, you know, like, let's say somebody's giving you a certain percentage and you do it for a couple of times and then, you know, I just don't, I try not to like shop the deal. Let me go to somebody else and see what they'll give me. Go, always go back to the first one that fed you and, and talk to them and figure out what the opportunity lies. And I'm not, not saying this happens to us a lot or it happens in general. It just, it happens in business. You know, people are generally, they want to do more business with you. They're not out to get you. Um, but, you know, you have to know in the back of your head, it's going to happen. And so like, but, but the thing is, more often than not, it doesn't happen, you know, and in 15 years of doing business in all different types of real estate, single family, multifamily, retail, self-storage, we've been burnt a handful of times by people that we've tried to create opportunities with. And I've never once, I do everything on a handshake. There's never been an NDA. There's never been a contract or a JV agreement or any of that kind of stuff. Like it's, it's always on a handshake, you know, and to me, I, I think that's that's proof positive that there's tons of tons, and we've paid millions of dollars in fees across the board, across all the businesses in, in the last 15 years. Um, there's no doubt that it works. Hey guys, I just wanted to take a brief time out from this show, this incredibly mind-expanding discussion to speak to the high achievers, the high performers. I wanted to speak to those who have a burning desire to go to the next level and beyond. First of all, I hear you and I see you. When I got started as a real estate entrepreneur, fresh out of my W-2 corporate job, I was excited and jubilant to create and design my future. At the same time, my business and life was filled with confusion, filled with fear, doubt, uncertainty, and to be honest with you, sometimes even sleepless nights and hopelessness, even while experiencing what many would have considered substantial success. Ultimately, I mustered up the courage to hire one of the world's top high-performance business coaches to work directly with me on creating strategies, systems, and profound shifts towards accelerating my multifaceted performance and to become an industry leader. After years of investing significant resources into myself and in my business through this process, I am now paying it forward as a high-performance coach to those who feel called to elevate to the extraordinary. Wherever you are right now, you know deep down that you have it within you to be great. If you're someone who's seriously looking to elevate your business, your real estate portfolio, your cash flow, your deal flow, your network, your net worth, your lifestyle, and ultimately your life right now and ongoing for the rest of your life, I have a message for you. Because if that's you, then I invite you to visit coachwithtyler.com. I have limited coaching spots available to guide people like you who want to substantially close the gap from where you are to where you want to be. These are first come, first serve, and demand high-touch, one-to-one focus from me directly to you. And this is not for everyone. This is only for those who are decisive, committed, and willing to do whatever it takes. 
It's only for those willing to play full out and invest time, energy, and resources into themselves to achieve greatness in real estate investing and beyond, which is what we're all about on this podcast. This is for those defiantly inspired for transforming as an empowered, limitless, and unstoppable human being in full control of their and their business's future. If that is you, I invite you to visit coachwithtyler.com. Again, that's coachwithtyler.com where you can apply for this life-changing opportunity. We will then schedule a discovery session where we will directly discuss what's working, not working, and how we can work together to accelerate your future. With that said, enjoy the rest of the show. Yeah, and I, I just love the abundance approach, the abundance mindset. Not only because how much more is ex- how much more exciting is it that you know you can create other opportunities with other people, but you can also expand your opportunities rather than just closing yourself off to you know what you may think is you know limited possibilities, but you can expand that so much further. So I just love that approach. You know, uh, Joe, I'd love to really dive into you know self storage and and how you're seeing that marketplace now because obviously you're 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 continuing to expand not only the education space but in actually, you know, the development space. So how are you looking at self-storage, you know, opportunities these days and, and what markets are you um, focused on? Yeah, um, I'll start at the back. I mean, we're, we're really focused mostly on the uh, East Coast. We have deals all the way from New York, upstate New York to Florida, um, anything probably like east of the Mississippi. We're looking at a couple of deals in Texas right now as well. But the idea basically is I, I, I can get in a plane and get there within an hour and a half. That, like, that's the idea. I need to be able to uh, to get boots on the ground and be able to visit these sites, especially when they're big construction sites and things like that. We're going to have to be on the ground more often than not. So they got to be accessible. Um, other than that, there's really no restraint as to why we're, we like the East Coast. I mean, we live in New Jersey, obviously, but um, I think within a couple of years, we'll, we'll expand and, and we'll figure that piece out and we'll start doing more sites. But there's ample opportunity in the East Coast. Um, the uh, How we find deals is, is really, uh, it, it's a matter of going through. It's not that much different than a lot of other real estate markets. People wonder like, you know, what's the secret sauce? Guys, the secret sauce is we work our asses off. Like <laughs> we 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 run underwriting and due diligence on fifty to seventy five deals for every one that we buy. Um, we have the, the, the big the big difference is this is scalability, right? Um, there's a lot more risk in the due diligence process, uh, but there's a lot more reward in taking a deal down. So in a due diligence process, we might have fifty, seventy five, one hundred and fifty thousand dollars invested in a deal. Um, we have to go through and get feasibility reports. We have to get engineering. We have to get design. We have to put in, you know, uh, requisitions through zoning offices. We have to get attorneys involved. We have to negotiate massive contracts. I mean, these aren't your, you're not paying your uh, local real estate attorney 500 bucks to do these contracts, right? So there's just, um, it's a lot, a lot of front end work. Um, and, and some people don't realize, I mean, these, some of these deals take a year. I mean, we're funding a deal right now. Uh, we're half committed. Um, we should have the rest of the money in the next two weeks. We're closing in two weeks. Um, and, uh, you know, essentially we had under contract for a little over a year. Um, it, it's just a ton of due diligence, man. And, and the reason is, is I will never bring a deal to my investors that I am not 120% sure is a deal. I mean, this is not like, you know, not that I would take a risk with a hundred thousand dollars, but I mean, we flipped almost a thousand houses in the last decade. And when I went to a private investor to flip a house, I was hundred percent sure, but I could do that in five minutes through a walkthrough. You know, I could go through the house, I could look, okay, there's, there's no underground tank or no evidence of it. The roof looks good. You know, there's no knob and tube wiring. The foundation isn't leaking. Uh, yeah, we'll spend 20 grand here, 30 grand here. All right, let's buy it. You know, uh, I could do that in five minutes. It, it takes a lot, a lot, a lot more due diligence to make sure that I can turn something into a self-storage. Um, and 
the thing, the thing I like about it most actually uh, from a protection standpoint is um, we're doing feasibility. We're doing due diligence in, we're getting third-party due diligence basically from four different resources. It's not just me and my team making a decision on this, right? We're paying third-party people to give us demographics and density population and saturation levels and you know unit mixes and what's it going to take to build here. And then we're giving it to our third-party management company, and they're doing their own independent third-party feasibility study. We're matching those up. Then we're giving it to our bank. They're matching it up. Then we're giving it to our engineer and design team. They're doing a third-party feasibility. We're matching it up. So all four of these people, independent of my own team, are doing a massive feasibility report. And then we're blending them all together. And, and we're saying, okay, where are we at? What's it look like? And if it doesn't jive, we're taking all that work, we're balling it up, and we're throwing the trash. And we're doing it on the next one. So, um, you know, it's a lot, a lot of work, but the upside potential is massive. Like I said, the New York deal, we're getting ready to close. We're all in at 13 million. Um, a bank thinks it's worth 27, 26 and a half million when we're done. So we're going to be 50%, 50 cents on the dollar. Yeah, no, I love that. Is there any, if, if you were to look at the asset class in general and, you know, through your years of experiences, mm -hmm. um, you know, is there any, anything that you would point to in terms of patterns or, or evolution in terms of the asset class over the past few years? Are you seeing any adjustments? And the reason why I ask that is because, you know, I'm a multifamily guy and, you know, of course, you know, we're, 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 you know, neck deep in multifamily. And of course there's always a, an acceleration of trends or patterns or, you know, occupancy and all these different things. And I look at self-storage from afar and you see a lot of different sub-markets that have become saturated. And obviously, you know, that's, it is what it is, but I'm just curious from a high level, are you seeing any particular patterns that, that have been interesting for you? Yeah, very, very interesting. So first of all, saturation is based on population, right? So when we're looking at different areas, moving in, moving out, um, based on where you're at, you know, and, and this is, there's some fluctuation in that too, but, you know, looking at areas where people are moving in is obviously a good idea, right? So we're looking at places where there's mass development going on, where there's, you know, million square foot Amazon distribution getting built next door and things like that. Um, so always, always look at places where population is set to increase or wages are set to increase and so on and so forth. Um, uh, let me get back to the, uh, what was the other question you asked though? Um, Just the evolution of the asset oh, the class. Yeah. 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 The evolution of the asset class. Yeah. Very interesting thing going on right now. Uh, in the last five to 10 years, um, you know, historically, and this is actually works out in our benefit. It makes it a lot harder to find deals, but those deals become much sweeter. The last five to 10 years, this entire industry has really shifted from, it used to be industrial zoning, you know, down a long dirt road, you'd go down and, and it would be dark, you know, uh, fenced off industrial area, and you'd pull in, you go to your self-storage. Well, people in the last five to 10 years have decided, hey, I want to go to a self-storage that's clean and bright and it's on the main road and it's in a commercial district and I can access it from the main road. You know, one of the demographics that's most prominent most recently is divorced women. They wanna be able to take their goods and they wanna be able to access the site like they're going to Best Buy. They wanna be able to park out front in a well-lit parking lot, walk in the front door, feel safe, access their locker, put their stuff away, get back in their car and not feel like they're, you know, they're, they're in an unsafe environment or they're in a dark alley or they're down a dark road. So blend that now with the fact that big box retail is going out of business all over the country. I don't think any, any circuit cities are going to pop back up in our lifetime. I don't think you're going to start to see big box come back. In fact, Amazon, as we're talking here, just did $100 billion last quarter. And I think they're going to continue to rise, right? So we're taking these darkened big box, which are really the blight of the community, especially if they're in a nice area. Nobody wants to see that. 
right? And and we're saying, okay, well, if it's a standalone, which is important to us, because I don't want to own a whole shopping center, if it's a standalone, hundred square, hundred thousand square foot, roughly, I can take that building, I can buy it at a, at a roughly at a pretty good discount because who's your buyer, right? Um, if I can get that thing at a discount, I can convert it at a very low price, and I can be in the center of town, and I can be accessible, and I can be well lit, and I'm in a commercial district now. The towns are now looking at that and saying, well, that's a good alternative, right? Like, like it's, it's, it's a little bit lower impact. There's less traffic and less, less foot traffic and less, um, less people, but it's still a good thing to look at, right? It's not an ugly eyesore. You know, it's like, it looks like the commercial building. It's just got lockers inside, right? So, so it's a little bit easier on the zoning to get approved. And so that's what we're doing. So the New York site is a hundred thousand square foot Kmart. That, that's been abandoned. And, you know, we're going to recondition it. And we're going to turn it into a self-storage. Kmart, Sears, Pier One, you name it. They're, you know, they're folding up. And it's not that we're trying to take advantage, but it's a good opportunity that the, the stars are aligning there. Yeah. And, and, and in, ter- in terms of consumption, are you seeing that rise just because people are, you know, they own more goods and it's like, well, they're, maybe their homes are a little bit smaller, perhaps. I mean, are you seeing any difference in consumption from a, from a micro or macro level? Over the last 40 years, through ups and downs, through economic decline and incline, it's been very, very, very stable, and it's been on a very stable increase for 40 years. The interesting thing about storage is it's such a vast uh, demographic, right? It serves contractors. It serves uh, attorneys keeping files on file. It, it serves people upsizing and downsizing their homes. Uh, most recently, you're talking you know, millennials, right? They, want, they don't want to own. They want to rent. They want to be fluid. You know, they move out of mom and pop's house. They put their stuff in storage. They're living in San Francisco. They're living in Dallas. They're living in, you know, they leave their stuff in storage. So there's so many different demographics, you know, death and divorce create a lot of storage needs, right? Um, and a lot of times in death, I mean, I've heard so many stories since I got into this thing where people said, oh yeah, you know, my, my grandmother died. We put her stuff in storage. That was 12 years ago, right? And they just don't ever access it. It's a, it's a $75 bill every month and it gets put on your credit card. So, you know, what are we going to do? Go throw my grandma's stuff out? Right. Who, who's going to take that? Raise your hand. Right. Who's going to go do that? And, and nobody wants to do it. We'll just keep paying the seventy five dollars a month. <clears throat> so there's a lot of that. Um, and, and I think the fact that it's spread out across so many different demographics and the fact that the rent is so reasonable um, allows it to continue to stay steady. No, and it's a, it's an amazing asset class and and great opportunities for investors. So I appreciate that. And also, we have you know Kmart's in my city that are being repurposed to self storage. So I can definitely attest to seeing you know at least observing the fact yeah. that there are tons of opportunities out there if you know where to look. Right. So Absolutely. I think you planted a lot of seeds in the minds of the listeners today. But Joe, man, I've I've really enjoyed our conversation. One thing I'd love to ask you before we jump into our rapid fire section is you know, have there been any mentors that you've really held to a high regard or have been really important to you along your journey? Because obviously you mentioned like you've invested in coaching and, you know, you've, you've continued to, you know, challenge yourself in those capacities, but are, are there any mentors that have really been important for you? Yeah. I mean, other than the, uh, the obvious ones, you know, Tony Robbins and, uh, and, and, and a lot of the, uh, you know, the speakers that I listen to on a daily basis, uh, you know, Ed Milet and those type of guys. Um, uh, Mark Evans, DM, you guys that are in the real estate space, a lot of people probably know who Mark Evans is. He's, I've been in his mastermind. I think I was the first guy in for the last eight years or whatever it is. Uh, Trevor McGregor is one of my coaches, great guy. Um, I think there's, you know, I owe it to a lot of different people and, and some who aren't, you know, obviously some who aren't famous or popular, right? Um, you know, so yeah, I think there's, there's, there's just a ton of people that, uh, that I owe a lot to for, for mentorship and guidance. 
Yeah, no, that's huge. And and as Tony Robbins says, success leaves clues. So yep. you don't have to recreate the wheel in all these different ways. So find mentors. And I know you're like me. It's like, just because you're at a certain level, it's like, hey, there's always another level. So who else can, sure. you know, really, you know, you know, help shine the path, uh, shine the light on the path. So man, uh, really, really enjoy our conversation, Joe, really appreciate you. I want to, ju- uh, you know, jump into our rapid fire section. We call it the rare air questionnaire. It's all about being uncommon, right? It's about making yep. challenging decisions. It's about pivoting along the way. It's about having 70% of the information and taking action anyway, uh, which is what you're all about. So Joe, if you were to point to two or three of the most impactful books that you've read over the past few years, what would those be and why? Um, it always starts out with the four hour work week. That was the first book that really changed the game for me, um, uh, because of systems and automation. And, and really it came out in 2007 when I started my entrepreneurial, um, you know, uh, step out into life. And so that, that, that always comes up as number one, um, the miracle morning, um, you know, really changed my life. I mean, it's, uh, I believe in it big time. I'm up at 4am almost every day. Um, it really, uh, creating that, that pocket of time and controlling my day and getting it all set up is, is really important for me. Um, man, third one, there's just so, so many for the third <laughs> Those are one. two good um, ones too. Anyway, I would say scaling up is a big one. Um, mm. scaling up is a big one for business. Um, you know, there's a lot, a lot of takeaways in there. And then there's just hundreds of the obvious ones, right? I mean, good to great. And, um, you know. Uh, there's just there's just so many on top yeah. of that no i know and every time it's so funny you say that because every time i ask that question i'm like it would be hard for me to answer this question because yeah. like you said there are so many and leaders are readers right so i think the big takeaway here is you know be willing to read be willing to learn be willing yeah. to you know model success and and of course we'll put links in the show notes to those books uh and uh, you know joe tell me aside from our discussion today what's the biggest way that you elevate your life on a daily basis Ritual and routine, man. I, I think that just staying in a routine is, is the, is the most, and, and keeping the rituals that I have, my daily habits, um, are, are the things that keep me sane and keep me going. Like, you know, when you start to get off track and you start to, you know, lose that control of your clock and you start to you know, dodge away from your, you know, your strategy and you're not, you're not dialing in the things that you want to do every day. It's okay to lose a day, but the problem is a lot of folks, you know, they get in a downward spiral, they lose a day, then they lose two, then they lose five, and they go, oh, why do I do this anymore? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like lose a day and jump back on the on the uh, on the horse. So obviously, your morning ritual is big. But is there anything Mm -hmm. else that you point to specifically that really serves exactly what you're talking about there? Yeah, morning ritual encompasses a ton of it, right? So I always, you know, I work out, uh, I I, I meditate, I I journal for the day, I get my, my three to thrive, and I get those set up inside for the day. Uh, and I make sure my calendar is right. So the calendar is a huge piece for me. Obviously, I talk about it a lot. Um, but making sure that those things are planned. Like, like again, the personal and the business, they have to be planned. I think so many people miss the personal side. You have to plan time with your kids. You have to plan a date with your wife. You have to plan picking up flowers. You have to plan sending a card to your friend. You have to plan. If you don't block that time, it just gets kicked down the road, kicked down the road. And that's part of the reason. I don't have a to-do list right? Like everyone has these to-do lists that never get to done, right? I have a calendar. So if it gets a to-do list, it just goes on the calendar. And if it doesn't get done, it just gets moved to the next day. But like, if it gets moved more than twice, I go nuts, right? So then I know I have to do it, right? So just just plan to do it and execute. And it becomes a habit. And next thing you know, you, you don't delay anymore. You just do. 
I love that you brought up the personal stuff too, because you're setting a great example as a, as a very successful leader and a multidimensional entrepreneur. It's important for us to not lose sight of our family, not to lose sight of the personal things. You know, those things are so important. You know, they can serve us to be greater professionally as well. And everything yeah. wins. It's like this abundance mindset. You know, everything grows when you focus on that. So I love that. And um, what's the biggest way that you elevate others around you, Joe? Listen. You know, ask good questions. I think that um, there's these, there's three questions I ask people in my team almost every day when I talk to them. It's it's what are we doing that's working right now? What are we doing that's not working right now? And what else do you think we should add? You know, what else do you think we should be doing? Like what you know, and 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 get good feedback. Like I think as leaders, I think the biggest challenge is, you know, we let our ego take over. Maybe it's not just ego. Maybe it's just that we don't think about this. But like, why not ask for feedback? You're paying some of these people 80, 90. 150 grand, I don't know, whatever you're paying them, why not ask them for feedback? Why not get them to tell you what they should be doing better um, instead of allowing your ego to dictate whatever it is they should be doing? Um, if you're paying someone that kind of money, they should be telling you how to do their job. That's awesome, Joe. That's huge. And uh, man, this has been an amazing conversation, Joe. I really, really appreciate you. Is there any parting thoughts or words of wisdom that you share, share with Elevate Nation today? No, man, I think it was a great interview. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, well, hey, we'll, we'll drop the mic there. And, um, you know, from here, I'd love to uh, connect you with Elevate Nation. So could you tell the, the listeners how they can learn more about you and what you do? Yeah, I mean, since we covered uh, really the coaching side and the storage side, if, they, if they're interested in, um, in uh, any type of coaching activity, uh, I'll, I'll do a, a discovery call with them, a free discovery call with them. And we can talk about uh, the five roads to victory. Um, they can go to elevatewithjoe.com in order to get that uh, access to that free discovery call. And then uh, on the storage side, if they're interested in the storage piece, if they want to talk storage or JV deals, uh, they can go to investwithlegacy.com, investwithlegacy.com. So uh, we'll offer those two since we since we covered both bases today. That's awesome. And of course, we'll put links in the show notes to all of that, of course, as well as where you can find Joe on social media, uh, because you definitely want to follow along with him. And uh, man, I just appreciate you and uh, really enjoyed our conversation. But Elevate Nation, I want to highly encourage you to re-listen to the show because there's tons of nuggets of wisdom here that you may not have caught your first time around. And so I want to I, I want to challenge you to identify your top three key distinctions. What are you going to take action on now? What are you going to implement and course correct on right now? Because look, we're going to make mistakes, right? But it's about putting this into action. It is also about paying it forward. Share this with a friend. Don't forget the fee is to pay it forward, to share this with somebody else, whether it's on your social media, whether it's through a text message or otherwise. Don't forget to pay it forward. But again, until next time, take massive action. But Joe, thank you so much for being here, my friend. Yeah, Tyler, thanks for having me, bro. Absolutely. Elevate Nation, we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Elevate. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit elevatepod.com.